Hi, and welcome to the podcast today. It is Wednesday the 28th. Um, I've got to be completely forthcoming with you about today's episode in just a second here. And it's a really good episode, so my heart is in my throat, which uh, which got x-rayed today. And I do have a small hiatal hernia, and I hope that that's uh, what has caused the persistent acid reflux. And I, I had a uh, esophagram today, and they gave me... They gave me some crystals and then I had to chase that with water. And I was like, oh, I don't really do chasers. I just slam the thing. And then I drank barium, which was just like a white sludge. And apparently I might have white poop later. But uh, that was a uh, positive. Hopefully that's the reason that uh, this has been bothering me for some time now. Anyway, you did not hear, you did not come here to hear about that. We have a very long interview today. And before we get to that, I will say um, every time I go, hmm. It's been too long in between podcast episodes. Uh, I got to remind myself that it ramps back up real fast. We had Alex and I yesterday and all the things we hopped into. Uh, today, uh, the Linen Kugels are here. Who are they? You may remember they've been on several years now. Uh, Joe has with me. The Linen Kugels, they were a husband and wife duo that retired from TFRD at the same time six years ago, seven years ago. Joe. Um, is the is general manager for uh, the TFRD hockey team. It is a battle of the badges Saturday, next Saturday, March 9th. Um, here and there, you might have heard me mention his daughter, and that's why I say the Linen Kugels are here. Um, I learned something about the Bowling Green women's hockey team that I did not know, but Kendall was a goaltender on that team. Uh, Kendall Linenkugel might sound familiar because she is on the Walleye broadcast with my friend Matt Melzak. So a lot to dive into with them about Kendall and what she aspires to do in broadcasting and how she is a role model for girls on the ice and girls who want to be announcers. Uh, Joe is very much tied into mental health in a field that challenges that very much so because they've seen some some of the worst uh, in, in humanity and, and people in really awful situations. Here's the part with my, if I got the x-ray again, they might find my heart in my throat. I think my internet might have disconnected at some point during the interview. I, I think it's all there, but I'm not sure. So if there is a hiccup at some point, it's that. But we had a very long conversation. So even if we missed a, a little bit, there are still plenty in here. And it was a phenomenal visit. And I hope you enjoy it now. And they've already got um, lots of people with tickets for Battle of the Badges on March 9th. You should head out there for that great cause next Saturday. It is uh, it is a pleasure and an honor to have, well, one Linen Kugel always comes. Correct, right, the, yes. The Linen Kugels are here, including, as I, I call your, your partner, um, Matt, professional uh, sports broadcaster, professional sports broadcaster, daughter of Joe, Kendall Linenku. Good to have you here. It's good to be here. Thank good, you. Good to meet you face to face. We have a bunch to get to, but you're here because we have Battle of the Badges coming up on March 9th, correct? correct. Yes, March 9th at noon at Huntington Center. Yeah, uh, I guess it's uh, some of the... Uh, the logistics of it a little different this year. It's usually a Sunday game, but this year's Saturday noon and uh, 
Puck drop noon, gates at 11, if I got that right. That, that is correct. It's usually always been a Saturday game. Last year, oh. we just it, it went over to a Sunday just because of scheduling conflict. So we're back to a Saturday this year, uh, but we went from usually in December. Now we moved it out to March. Uh, just to give us, there, there's just so much going on, so many charity yeah. events going in on December. So we didn't want to strap everybody with yet another charity thing that people felt obligated to donate to. So we moved it out to March. Um, get away from the Big Ten football champion all the high school games and everything else. So hopefully now we can get even more people into the seats to support the charities because there's really nothing else going on. Uh, well, I'm glad it wasn't Sunday. I mean, it's Acoustics for Autism weekend, but as you guys know, there's a million things going on. So good heads up to, to move it to the best weekend possible. Thank you. Well, that was between me and Kyle and the walleye's decision, but it worked out well. Um, was Kyle the dude you brought last year? Yes. I wanted to ask you about him at some point because he brought up some really important mental health stuff. Um, not that uh, I'm disappointed to have Kendall here, but I we got a lot to talk about. Um, I can't find, I think this is the 11th game. Yes, yes. This, uh, yeah, we had a, a down year because of COVID, so this would be the eleventh meeting. I can't find recent results. Is that because, like, you TFD has scrubbed them from the internet? Because yeah, been- we just make sure we bury all that. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, it, the the, um, the the series actually the first couple years Toledo was uh, the TPD uh, won for like three straight years. The first three years we were doing this, but it was always within one or two goals. And then we started catching on to their what they were doing to us as far as using their speed and we were putting in different kinds of systems coming and it kind of evened the balance out and then it kind of it's been swinging both it's kind of like the michigan ohio state thing it kind of <laughs> swings both ways so they uh they got us last year uh again by i think two goals and so we want it back again from this year we were trying to get it back again so okay uh kendall have you have you always played in this game i have dressed but i haven't really played i think I played like five minutes of the third period a couple of years ago, but that was the most I've actually played in the game. How come? I wasn't a firefighter at that point. Gotcha. Um, Kendall might sound familiar, look familiar in some ways. If you go look her up, I'll tell you, though, she's smaller in person than on the internet. But uh, you were a star goaltender for BG for a long time, right? Yes, sir. Um, what was it like to be a part of that program that I I feel gets overlooked here? Um, and that's really that might be the top college sports program here in our area. But because it's not, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, football, basketball kind of gets overlooked. What was it like to be a part of that program? It was incredible, actually. So they didn't have a women's team when I got to Bowling Green. Um, I was talking about there were like some recruiting things that kind of fell through the cracks when I was being recruited in high school. I um, decided to go to Bowling Green on an academic scholarship, and I was talking to a couple girls in my classes, just kind of ranting how I played hockey in high school, and I just really miss it, and they told me that they played hockey in high school, and they had the same problem, and a couple of them were like, hey, I know a couple other girls in my other class that played hockey in high school, so it was me and a group of six other girls, we got together, and we actually started the hockey team at BGSU for the women's team. So that was a couple years in the making. I it was think kind we, of a resurrection, too, uh, of the yeah. program. Because our, our chief, Allison Armstrong, used to be part of the original women's I team. I didn't know that. Yes. Yep. So they, they disbanded in the early 2000s, and then we were the resurrection, if you will. Um, so we started the meetings probably about my sophomore year of college. Um, we registered for the ACHA my junior year, so we were able to practice. We just couldn't play in any games because of just the, how the ACHL, a- ACHA rules fell. Um, we were able to join the league my senior year, um, 
unfortunately, that was also the year after COVID, so we didn't get that many games. I think we got maybe two or three. Um, but it was still really cool to say that I got to play at least a couple games of college hockey for a team that I helped start. So that was a really, really cool experience. Absolutely. I didn't know about the, uh, the refounding part of it. That's, that's very cool. Did you want to keep playing after college in, in some more than amateur or pickup way, or did you want to pursue, pursue other career stuff? Absolutely. I wanted to play. I was not done yet when I graduated college. Um, I thought about going to grad school to play a little bit more at Bowling Green because of COVID. I had an extra year of eligibility, so I was actually able to play another full four years. Um, I wasn't accepted into grad school, so that, that nixed that idea. Um, I've thought about going into the PWHPA when that was still um, a women's league. I was talking to a team out in Boston of potentially going out there. Um, it's just funds got in the way, finances. It just wasn't really allowing sure. it. So um, I just decided to start continuing the broadcasting route that I had started when I was in college. I mentioned you might be familiar because you are on lots of walleye broadcasts with my good friend, Matt Melzak. Um, and I know that you want to pursue that route. And we've talked on and off uh, a bunch since then. I know you're, you do some Red Wing stuff as well, right? I've had a couple shadows, yes. Awesome. Um, What's that been like? Oh my gosh, it's been unreal. So I've... Um, I was doing a walleye playoff game last year, and we had a couple Red Wings representatives come in, and we were just chit-chatting, and I brought up the fact that I my dream career is to broadcast in the NHL. I would love to at least do that part-time, um, if not have it be a full-blown career. It's just a dream of mine is to do something in the National Hockey League. And um, they passed off, off some contact information for Daniela Bruce, who is their bench side reporter on the radio. And so I've been shadowing her a couple times. Awesome. The, the first time I just did the game, I had to work during the day, so I caught her during game time. But this past time, I got to go early in the morning. I got to help out with morning skate and editing some of the clips for the radio. I got to meet a lot of the people for TV this time. And it was a really, really cool experience. I, I had told you that there's some good people up there that maybe you would run into. Um, it is hockey town, even though the team has been down for some time. There's still always those those diehards and the people that love covering the game and talking about it. I guess, in a, has it helped that they're, uh, the Red Wings are rebuilding because there's less intensity around it, less of a microscope. Um, you've got a little more latitude to make mistakes. Maybe they, they give you a little bit more because it's not Eiserman and Fedorov walking around. It's it's young players. They're trying to rebuild this thing. Is, is Has that been a benefit in a way? I think so, yeah, because not a lot of people are watching the team super heavily, as you right. might think. So, yeah, they're in a couple rebuilding years. They've been Their views have been going up since they signed Patrick Kane. Yeah. But that's been a huge... A huge I don't want to say advantage but it's been a really cool thing to do because there's been a lot more media outlets that have been at like the morning skate and stuff that I have seen a lot more media in the post game press conferences and the first time the first time I did it Patrick Kane was still with Chicago um, the second time was when I want to say it was like his second or third week with Detroit so everything was that much more heightened and I think it made it a lot more fun 
Um, but it, when it comes to like the previous one, you, you're right. We weren't under a microscope as much. Yeah. So making a mistake here and there wasn't really as noticed. Yeah. It's like uh, to make an, I guess, an analogy, like when uh, the Dodgers, Shohei Otani comes to a town, you've got like dozens more reporters uh, to, to cover things for other part of the world. I'll come back to you, Joe. That's right. I, I, <laughs> Damn it. I, I want you to, if, if this has never happened before, I want you to enjoy your kid talking about what she loves so oh, much. Oh, no, that's, I'm honored. I, you know, it's, amazing to i mean how many fathers get to sit and do this kind of a thing with any of their children it's it's just an amazing thing um have you met art regner yes he was the one who referred me to daniella i wonder if i had connected to, I, I when i worked in detroit at doing like pop music stuff i still listen to um, a place where i wound up working a long time ago and, and knew of art and his go wings fanaticism and stuff he's a, a super good person i remember he came down here for a walleye game and he's like oh you gotta come hang, hang out and have a beer i was like i didn't know it was last minute so the detroit hockey community um it's not the toxic way of the other sports it's tight-knit as you're learning there's super good people around there Absolutely. And Art, he is a really fantastic human being. Yeah. He, like I mentioned, he was the one who referred me to Daniela um, when they were, because at that time, Red Wings were knocked out of the playoffs. So was Grand Rapids. So the entire organization was in our building, basically. Um, so the, a lot of them popped into our broadcast booth right before the game started. Um, and we were just all chit-chatting. And I think me and Art talked for like probably 20 minutes before we had to start our pregame show. So he's really, he really is an awesome person. He is. He is. Um do you want, if you had your preference, if dad could snap his fingers and make something, have something happen for his kid that he's got so much pride in, would you prefer to do broadcasting or other front office stuff like you could be a GM? I would broadcast. Okay, good. Um, did the Seattle Kraken guy get back with you? Because I know he's a BG grad. He is. Um, we've talked back and forth a little bit last season um, because they're still kind of like a startup team. He is... Very, very busy with a lot of sure. PR stuff and just different events going on. So we have talked briefly. Um, when he come, when he makes his way back into town, we do we have uh, chatted about meeting here and there. Um, mostly, I've been chit chatting with Daniela more than Everett, but he's still a really great resource to have, and he's awesome. First, uh, first black announcer um, in in the NHL, and it's great to have him from uh, Northwest Ohio here. I wonder. You mentioned all the other stuff he has to do. I wonder if there's a little bit of um, understanding there on your part because um, you see it's the NHL jobs are different from the minor league jobs where Matt Melzack is like planning hotel rooms for these dudes and stuff. Like him broadcasting games is such a small part of the job. And I wonder if Everett, um, you understanding that about Matt, uh, Everett has to do a lot of that as well. I would imagine. I'm not sure exactly for how it works for play-by-play -play in the National Hockey League, but yes, Matt does a lot. He does schedule all of the hotel blocks. He schedules the transportation. He does a lot of like the game notes and stuff like that. He's doing most of the research. He's going back and listening on how we can change the broadcast and what we can adjust and stuff like that. And broadcasting really is just like the icing on top of the cake for yeah. his job. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. And to see people stick with minor league organizations, um, they really love it. And I'm glad that ours, are one treats people as, as well as they do. Um, what do you think of all this, Dad? Oh, I, I, I beam every time, especially, you know, every time she gets the limelight, of course, I, I beam, you know. Um, 
everybody, it's funny how things have just kind of changed over the years. You know, before it was always she was Joe Lennon Kugel's daughter. My sons were always Joe Lennon Kugel's boys. Um, You know, Joe Lennon Kugel, oh, he's a fire lieutenant. He's Well, now it's changing around that where I go someplace and they'll see the name on the back of my jersey and I'll be like, are you related to Kendall? I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's my little girl. So, I, you know, where I go to places and as a matter of fact, one of our sponsors that we picked up for helping us out with this from uh, Lamar Outdoor Advertising, I called over there to get some stuff squared away, thank them for their billboards and stuff like that. And hopefully that's a that's a little spot out for Lamar there for taking this. So, but I I call up over to thank him and then... uh, you know, I was giving them my name so they could give me some stuff through the internet and my emails. And as I'm putting the name out, they're like, I know who you are. I used to work with your daughter. And I'm like, oh, well, of course. You know, so it's funny how it's all changing around. But it, it really is cool to watch her making her own way. And then, you know, if my wife and I go go out for a, a drink on a Friday or Saturday night and the game's on and we're watching the game. And then, of course, mom starts to be, you know, she'll be tapping on people's shoulders there's my hey, daughter that's, that's my daughter up there and then they're all like that's your little girl I'm like yeah that's our baby yeah so um, i want to come right back to that but real fast uh some, some business who are this is to raise uh raise funds for charity what Correct. are some of those charities uh well we, we actually local 92 charities is kind of an all-encompassing charity now this is on our side the toledo police they're raising theirs for the toledo police foundation and what theirs is about is a scholarship opportunities for high school uh, students so they can pursue anything in any kind of public service. And it doesn't have to be fire, police, or EMS. It can be even, you know, um, streets, bridges, harbor type of work. So you can go uh, trade school type of stuff like that or any just regular college scholarships, nursing, anything like that. So that's what they're playing for. Local 92 charities, we... It's all encompassing. I mean, we've got everything from the African American uh, uh, Walk, uh, Humane Ohio, uh, Toys for Tots, Special Olympics, MDA, um, you know, Martin Luther King Kitchen for the Poor, you know, Cherry Street Mission Ministries. So, all of the money that we raise goes into local 92 charities. Local 92 charities meets with all these other organizations that there are uh, charities are with, and then they find out the needs, and then disperse money as the needs are needed from that so you mentioned lamar any other sponsors that you want to shout out that are making uh, this happen yes as a matter of fact uh you know i'd like to thank a uh, home slice pizza because okay. uh they're donating uh stuff for uh for our, the after party which the uh, public is completely everybody in the public is welcome to come to the after party at the local 92 union hall immediately after our game um and frickers uh they've generously donated food for that as well so Awesome. Okay, back to uh, to Kendall stuff here. What was it like the first time you saw and heard her on your TV? Well, actually, I would have to go back even further because the first time I actually heard her is when she was still broadcasting for Bowling Green. When she was doing the men's games for uh, Bowling Green State University. So I actually... Uh, was going down there to watch a game, so we flip, uh, flipped on the radio on the way down there, and so I could listen to her pregame show. And I, you know, oh, that's my little girl on on the radio. You know, proud mom and dad moment. Sure. And then when she got the call up to go from Pond Patrol with the walleye up to the booth and actually start calling a game, uh, it was almost kind of like surreal. I guess I can only understand what a parent who's like a Katie Holmes parents would say when the first time they saw her on screen, you know, and like, oh my gosh, that's kind of the same type of feeling that it that it was. And then when I started hearing the feedback from everybody around us of like, oh my gosh, how great she is. She really knows what she's doing. I mean, most people can't pick apart what a goalie's doing and explain what they're doing and their movements and then the, how the forecheck works. So, you know, it, it was a pretty proud moment for myself. And Good. of course, mom, she was just proud to see 
her daughter up on screen, but when it comes to the technicalities that Kendall's talking about, she has no clue about any of it. So she's right. like, what's a four check? So, <laughs> Kendall, what do you love most about calling games? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I So since I was really young, I've always wanted to be in some sort of broadcasting. I don't know why or what got me into it. Um, I was actually, I grew up obsessed with the weather. So believe it or not, so I have a journalism degree and half of my degree, my minor is in broadcast meteorology. So that's actually what I was initially going to school to do was um, be a meteorologist. I was debating if I wanted to do um, the news kind of like weather reporting or storm chasing. And um, I started doing the campus news show. I kind of realized that it just wasn't what I thought it was. Um, and my a really good friend of mine, his name is Ryan Vallon, and he was the broadcast, the play-by-play broadcaster for Bowling Green at the time. Very, very good friend of mine. Um, him and I were chit-chatting. We were studying together. Um, he was also a student, too. Um, most of the broadcasting that goes on for Bowling Green Athletics are students, which is amazing. So any student looking at that's going into broadcasting there are a few colleges out there that do allow students to broadcast and bowling green is one of them and it's fantastic anyways um he was we were chit-chatting he's like why don't you you played hockey right and i'm like well yeah he goes you and i talk about hockey for hours why don't you come do the games with me and i sat back i'm like i i don't know i it, and so here's the thing where being a woman comes in where at that time i didn't really know how prevalent women were broadcasting a male-dominated sport, especially like something like football or hockey or something like that, other than just sideline reporting, like actually being in the booth and calling the game. So I was a bit nervous. I wasn't sure the kind of feedback I would get. And if I, I felt like if I messed up, I was going to be under a microscope because I was a, cause I'm a woman. And so he talked me into it. He was like, how about you just come and shadow me? Just just come and watch the game, watch how I do it, see what you think, and then you can you can think about it and tell me later. And I was like, okay, cool. So I show up to the game, and I walk up to the booth, and then there's an extra headset sitting right there with a mic on it. And I'm like... He tricked you? Yeah. I go, what's that for? He goes, you're calling the game tonight. Right. <laughs> so I had to hurry up and look over all the pregame notes, and I, I called that game, and I never, ever looked back. And I'm not sure if it's just like the adrenaline rush that you get from being on a broadcast and like just knowing that that many people are watching and learning hopefully learning from anything that I might have to say on the air or if it's just the idea that I get to talk about the game that I love as a job what's the best advice from uh what was that gentleman's name Ryan Vallon what was the best advice that Ryan or you've gotten from Matt or from another broadcaster to do that job what's the best advice you've gotten both of them told me the exact same thing and it was you've played hockey your whole life just talk hockey yeah that's all it was if you had your preference would you rather do um play-by-play or more analysis stuff I prefer analysis I've never really tried play-by-play that much. I was helping out with a um, a junior draft league in Michigan over a summer, and they let me do play-by-play. I it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. I just don't feel like I knew it as well as I do um, on the analyst side. So it's definitely something I'd be willing to think about um, fine-tuning that skill. But I definitely prefer the analyst side for sure. What would you like to get better at? 
my interview skills. Really? Mm-hmm. We want to flip this? You want to ask me questions? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, no, no, no. Uh, okay, it's good to know. Good to know. Um, I don't know if I have any good interviews. Like, just ask stuff. It's the same thing as just talking. Like, you, this stuff is innate within you. Um, so just let it come out. Just let it come out. Um, ha- has there been any young women, older women, who have already reached out to you and said, this is awesome that you're doing this. I'd like to do this. Can you help me? What path do I do? You've got your thing this weekend. I Yeah, so I have... I'll get into that in a second, but I have... um, I've had two. I had one, um, a girl I actually used to coach when she was probably 11 or 12. Um, She decided down the road that she... I think she's a senior in high school right now, and she's been reaching out to me asking about the sports broadcasting program at Bowling Green. So um, she said that's something she's she really wants to look into. So that really made me happy. And I've actually had some um, family friends reach out to me on behalf of their friends' daughters who would like to try and dabble into that. And they asked if I if they can give them my contact information just so they can reach out and ask me questions about the industry and if they could shadow me. And I said, absolutely. Um, I think it's really awesome that women and hockey and girls hockey in general is exploding in this area. When I first started playing, girls hockey around here was not a thing. If you wanted to play on a girls team around here, you either had to go to Cleveland or Detroit. That's where all the the big major um, girls hockey teams are out of. And so I played boys growing up, which I still love. I don't regret that in the slightest. after I think I was a junior in high school, they started a girls, their first girls um, travel hockey team in Sylvania. And that's kind of, it's yo-yoed a little bit, um, but they have at least had one solid full rostered girls team since then, which is absolutely amazing. And um, so like I mentioned, girls hockey, the amount of girls hockey players that are around here that I'm meeting now is exploding. And if they don't have to play here, they can, like some of them are playing in Detroit and some of them play in Columbus, actually. Um, It's just wherever they can find a team. So this weekend, um, the walleye is having their first annual Her Hockey Day. And um, that's for the exact same thing, just to acknowledge the girls and women who decided that they that hockey is something that they would like to pursue whether that be playing or doing anything else involved with the sport because it's getting so big around here and um, we're starting the day with a girls hockey clinic um, from all skill levels from never been on put on a pair of ice skates before all the way up to skills and and progression drills and we are after those clinics are over we'll be having a panel um I will be running the panel, so I've never done that before. We'll be so, asking questions. I I think so, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. Interview skills. In my interview, interview skills. skills. So here I, we go. I'll give you this. I'll give you this analogy. You you have to play a different position, so to speak. With that, instead of playing goalie, you've got to be a center or like a power play quarterback, a point guard, and just get everybody involved. Pass, move, move people along. You'll be fine. I'm I'm definitely going to be working on it. I'm going to have like a little note card written out of just like talking points. And I think they're going to be having four or five other people who are 
pretty prevalent in the women's hockey community around here, which is super exciting that we're able to get that many people here. I'm very excited to see how many girls and women show up to this. Is it Pink in the Rink weekend as well? Is that part yes, of this? this Friday yeah. will be Pink in the Rink. Um, last couple of questions for you, and then I think I can marry this all together. Um, do you have a dream? We talked about what you'd love to do. Do you have a dream team to do it for? Who did you root for? Who did you watch? What players did you like growing up? So don't tell anybody. <laughs> I am a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I knew, I felt that. That's kind of like how you. Have, that's like how you have to couch. That's yeah. how, as much as somebody will go. Yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan. They're, they're the same thing with uh, Pittsburgh and Sidney Crosby. I'm I'm more of an Evgeny Malkin and Mark Andre Fleury person. Um, I started my love with Mark Andre Fleury, and I kind of followed him as he's been traded around. Um, but yeah, Pittsburgh is my team. I just don't like to say it too loud because I'm in the Red Wings organization, but <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> I'll still say it anyways. Who Who, who is a, a goaltender that you have kind of watched and taken things from and put into your game? Is it Fleury? For the mo- when I was first starting, yes, um, Mark Andre Fleury, his angles and the way he stands out on his crease, even when the play is not in his zone, I really admired and I didn't notice it at first until... Him and I were at a Pittsburgh Dad. game, and it was my first season playing goalie, and he pointed it out like, hey, look, look how far he stands out in his crease even when the play's on the other side. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. And so I started watching how he does his angles. And believe it or not, I, um, I've i been starting to learn a lot more about my game from watching the walleye goalies especially. But when I'm, I've been coaching girls hockey for a long time now. Um, I'm probably in my seventh or eighth season coaching travel girls hockey. And I've coached some boys and stuff along the way. I've coached high school boys as well. Um, I was the goalie coach for Clay High School for a couple of years. Um, I'm actually, I'm starting to learn stuff from the girls that I've coached, which I think is pretty cool, where my my goal in the first place is to make sure they're a better goaltender than me. And I'm now that some of them are getting to be in the 16, 17, 18U age range and they're on their own goalie coaches and they're playing AAA hockey and at a really high level and their parents post like their their game clips from Live Barn on Facebook and I'll watch some of the saves they make. I'm like, I'm going to try that in my next game. And I make that save. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, So I'll, believe it or not, I'm learning a lot of stuff from girls I used to coach, which I think is really really cool um you just came and you're wearing your emt student shirt just came from learning is that owens yes okay um so this is is this your the beginning of you into tfd i am not gonna Following go the Dad's toledo footsteps? fire route okay <laughs> oh does it, did i hit a nerve no 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 okay. um so i'm i am an emt student right now at owens um I am with Lake Township's fire department at the moment. I'm as a volunteer right now. and Oh, dear. That's a touchy <laughs> subject right now. I'm well aware of this. Yeah. So once I get my cards, I'll be able to work more of a part-time um, fire position. And I'm looking into working just a couple different part-time departments as well. I do plan on applying at Oregon Fire um, and maybe Pemberville. So just kind of bounce around a couple different departments. It's, and- it's really become kind of a family thing. Obviously, my wife was a lieutenant on Toledo Fire. Myself, I was. My uh, youngest son, he's now career with Sylvania. So it's really gone through. I'm still working on my oldest son to get him in. But <laughs> he's, the more I push on it, the more he pushes against me. So Let me, let me talk a little business in, in that regard. Um, I think people might be aware that Police all over the country have been hard to find here as well, but TFD as well. Um, you, you guys are talking uh, Sylvania and then Lake Township, and why should people join? I'll just use TPD because you were there for uh, TFD for 
Why should they join? Why is it important? Why do we need to have good people in the ranks of TFD? Uh, not. I wouldn't even say just TFD, but I appreciate your question uh, directing towards Toledo Fire. But the fire industry as a whole, uh, first of all, not let's let's kind of gear it towards Toledo Fire. What we've noticed back when I was uh, getting into the industry, so we're talking late 80s, early 90s, it was nothing for me to sit in a civil service test against six to 7,000 or 10,000 people for 100 positions. Uh, when I finally got on Toledo, and I'm in for three years, I tested all over the country. Columbus, 10,000 people I sat against. Uh, Toledo, my first test in 95, I took that against 6,000. The second test I took in 99 when I finally got on, that was against 6,500. Now, for 200 positions, they're lucky if they can get 500 people. Yeah. I don't, judging with the way the media and everything's out there, it's not like it's being backed on. When you see the different television shows that are out there, there's a lot of shows portraying and making the fire department and the police departments look like a good uh, job. I don't know. There's something that has changed in the aspect of the youth that are coming in. I think it's two things. Um, One of the reasons I think is when some people actually finally do get into the career or start to dabble into the career, even in the volunteer ranks, thinking about moving up into the career ranks, they're finding it's not what you see on TV. Not everybody's a supermodel. You're not fighting fires 100 million times a day. You know, you're not, that's, you know, that's just not the way it is. You can't sleep with all your coworkers. You, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think there there's a reckoning of that kind of sorts. And to go back to your question, why do we need people? Because the community needs you. Plain and yeah. simple. That's what it is. You will never have a good, strong community that you want to live in. Anybody wants to live in a good, strong, nice community. Well, you can't have that unless you have the infrastructure to make that happen. So if you really want a strong, safe community to live in, somebody has to be able to do that job. So why not you? So that's why the community needs you. That's why TFD needs you. That's why Sylvania needs you. Anybody in the fire or police organizations need you because the community needs you. And that's what's so beautiful about our careers is it's not just about me, 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 Joe Linenkugel, Jennifer Linenkugel, Kendall Linenkugel, or my son Chase. It's not just about us. It's about the people you work with in the community that you serve because at the end game, it doesn't matter really what you get out of it. It's seeing the whole picture of the community benefiting about what you did. So that's why we need good people. That was, I guess, half of the answer of the question I'm about to ask you, but I'll ask it more directly. What's your best sales pitch to those people you'd like to um, have take that test? My best sales pitch is, boy, it can go. It could go a long way. My best sales pitch is number one: if you want one of the best feelings in the world, is giving back and seeing the effect on somebody else's life. You, that can't be my. Yes, it, it, we, the fire industry pays very well. Yes, they have a great schedule. Police departments as well. Police doesn't have as great of a schedule as fire, but there is that. Um, so, so there is that. Yes, there is the nice part about where you go. People are like, oh, you're a firefighter? Oh, that is really nice. But outside of that, to sit and watch somebody's having one of the worst days of their life that they could possibly ever have. Either their house is burning down or grandma, grandma's having a heart attack or something like that. And you go in there and you make that difference. To sit and watch the reaction of that family and just the ultimate gratitude that they have just for you doing a job that you love to do, 
you can't really put a price on that. So yeah. that's something people need to think about. You know, it, the, the greatest amount of satisfaction doesn't come monetarily. It comes from what's in your brain and in your heart. Yeah. And that those careers offer that kind of a satisfaction. Um, we talked about Kyle at the very outset of this. He was here last year and, and he made it a point. Like he stopped me from trying to wrap it up and said, I, I want to talk about mental health because mm-hmm. we don't talk about that a lot. I was um, actually thinking about that since last year. And there, there's, there and there has, um, as a matter of fact, after I we talked earlier before uh, before we started recording uh, about seeing you over at the uh, Franciscan Center. Um, so when I saw you there, it brought back that conversation. Yeah. And it actually brought up a subject that I've actually was thinking about it kind of comes in and out of my head about mental health and especially after you're done with the career and so things that are lacking in care that i think there's some things that need to be addressed so so please go ahead with your question i was gonna (laughs) say uh, in addition to your sales pitch knowing that there are people like kyle and i see it when i go out to schools and talk like the younger kids get it more now mental health and things like that it's almost like we've almost gone too far the other way where there's too much self-diagnosing but i guess i'd rather have that than sitting on hands and losing people to all kinds of things but allison chief armstrong is also pretty attuned to that kind of thing as well i'm sure that um that trait of hers has proliferated through the department as well yes uh yes uh especially i mean chief armstrong i mean great friend of mine her and i were in the same academy class together so we kind of came up through the ranks obviously she progressed way up through the ranks from where i did uh but yeah she was always i mean even back when she was a dispatcher in perrysburg township you know obviously you're dealing over the radio and over the phone systems with people that are having a bad day so you're always talking about mental uh health and dealing with people that are in those kind of crises um and then as she's grown, you know, you know, she's had, you know, issues with uh, child care and, you know, yeah. uh, health issues. Uh, so she's always had to been around something like that. So I think that what that does is that helps her uh, have a platform and an understanding as far as where to launch, especially being with the DMAT team. She goes all over the country seeing the worst things that can happen to people. So that gives her a good, solid platform to push what needs to be done. So I think that's how she is so strong. And now in her position that she's at right now, it really gives her the credibility for people to look up and go, okay, this isn't just a stigma that I have to, I can actually talk about it because yeah, here's some a prominent member of the community that's actually talking about it and getting it out there in the and open. She's, she's become that. I've asked her a couple of times in her first couple of years now doing this. I'm like, where's your clone? Because there's no way you're doing all this stuff. Like, I know you get up early, but there's no way you're hitting all these things. And still doing your job, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's that that job is just brutal. I mean, it's yeah. there. there is no downtime. I, I run into her down at Walleye Games quite a bit, and her and I will just be sitting and talking, having a good time. And her phone rings, and I got to go, and she's right back on duty. You yep. know, so During playoff games. During playoffs, I During, mean the nerve, right? The audacity. <laughs> I would all when we were first, you know, chatting. Uh, it, it was about it was like around this time when we were moving into playoffs, and I would check in with her and know that she's going to the game. I was like, "All right, everybody, no, no incidents tonight. We got to keep it safe out right. there." The chief is at game seven. Um, last couple of things, Kendall. Uh, I asked you to critique yourself. Thank you for for doing that. How has your dad's retirement been? How has my dad's retirement been in regards to... Dad is retired now, and he is doing different things. It is a totally different life from him. How has that been for you and the family? Have you seen your dad um, make the right decision, getting bored, things like that? If there's one thing I know about my dad from complete, from growing up all the way, 
is this man does not know how to slow down. That is, he can't sit still. Even if when he was still on the job, if he would have a day off where he didn't have anywhere he had to be, if there was no hockey event he had to be at, nothing with the fire department, nothing with coaching, because he also was a coach too. If there was nothing he had to do, I've watched him mess up the house a little bit just so he would (laughs) clean it and have something to do and just keep himself busy or he'd go out and split wood or something or mow the lawn even though it was mowed two days ago like he can't sit still so that's usually the hardest thing (laughs) to overcome when anybody leaves something i'm the same way and i I, uh kendall people our age we will never retire um we just won't be we're gonna work till we die i don't know if i wanted another way because i would be so damn bored right yeah there's you know i i will say this um when it comes to my my wife says all the time, you never really left the fire service because I'm still always downtown. I'm always, especially what, that's one of the reasons I'm so ingrained with the hockey team because it keeps me in with the fire service. I don't know if that's something I could ever leave. Uh, I just, it was always been a part of me since I used to live right up here off Detroit Avenue in Faring, but I was the old 15 station. It's still standing. I was there in there all the time as a kid. It's just something I can't leave. I mean, especially with my family are, are into and, I don't think it ever would, and I, I would miss it too much if it actually did leave me. And, you know, and that's some of the things that I realized, you know, some firefighters have a hard time. And as if you're asking like how old retirement is, I I would say for someone like myself and a lot of us out there, it, it's very hard to step away from something that you didn't just identify as. It really was who we yeah. were. And to walk away from that, and not have that satisfaction anymore is a very tough thing. And that really kind of goes back to the mental health thing that we were talking about, because once you walk away and you've had a part of being a part of something very, very special. And as people would say, 25, 30 years of your life, that's a long time, but you blink and it's over Yeah. and you blink and it's over and everything, something that was such an integral part of your life. And you made such a big difference and the horrible things you saw out there, the great things you saw, that's still there. And then there's nowhere to do it with. And that really, that's the hardest thing I would say I have a hard time with is trying to get your mind into a different aspect of that. Especially when those nasty things that you saw come up and there's no avenue to talk to anymore. Because once you sign that paperwork, all those EAPs and everything Mm -hmm. that we used to have, that's gone. You can always ring me up if you want. And that's a totally honest uh, offer. Um, from my perspective, I think you're you're doing it right. As as many sh- struggle um, once they step away from from something with your Fulton County project, Kendall seems to think you keep you keep busy, and I think you're approaching it the right way. It's almost like um, the best version of retirement is waking up and deciding, yeah, I'll go to work today. The next day, yeah, I'm staying home today. Right? Yeah. Um, l- let me ask, like in, in, in this regard, it's like you said that like being you had a calling. It was a true calling. Um, most people don't have a calling to sit in an office, which unfortunately a lot of people have to do. So that's why I can see why mental health professionals say that is not your identity. Like we're all different. Like my identity is being a, a personality in a way. Your identity is is um, TFD and rescue in your blood. Kendall, you will never not have hockey in your blood in some <laughs> way. So like it is our identity. And to keep it going as you have, I'm I, I admire it. I admired a great deal. Yeah, it's um, years ago. I, I have a fire chief that I first started in the industry with back in the '90s out of Waterville. He had, matter of fact, he had just passed a few weeks ago. Um, but I remember him telling me that just remember this is 
not who you are is what we do. And then a good friend of mine who was a lieutenant, uh, one of my training lieutenants in drill school at uh, Toledo, he used to say the same thing. This is just what I do. It's not who I am. And I used to think that, well, yeah, okay, I got I have to keep that mantra going. But I've realized, and that, that may be for some people, but for some other people like myself, that's very... I guess noble to try and think or kind of a macho thing to say, well, it's just what I do. It's not who I am. I don't find that true because yeah. I've tried to step away from it being just what I did. And I, it's just who I am. Plain to say, my wife's always, like I said, you've never left the department and I can't. She had a rough time with it as well. She will always say that when they read our retirement announcements, it felt like they were reading our obituaries. Mm-hmm she was missing it so bad that she went back to nursing just to have some sort of fulfillment like that. So this is my fulfillment here is working these teams. <laughs> um, last, last thing on a, on a somber, but happy note, um, Butch private Sterling, Ray, Who yes. I, I got to connect with doing what I do is as he was the, the PIO. Um, I can honestly say having been here a long time now, um, when something bad happens to somebody, there's always a critic out there and maybe they're, their gripe is 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 on point. Maybe they just had a bad run in with somebody. With all the people that came out to memorialize and praise um, Private Ray, not not a single bad word. Like not a thing. Like this is deeply a a missed human. And I tried to when I was doing my radio shows and things. I was like, hey, if you haven't figured out like how big of a deal this guy was, like what a human he was. Um, he just had his memorial at at Savage. Mm-hmm. Like this was not any kind of like roadside thing at the cemetery. Like this was a big deal. We lost a very stunningly uh, lost an integral part of our community. Can you give your words about him? Wow, <laughs> that's uh, did I yeah. push a button, Kendall? <laughs> well, Butch was also a really good person to me as well. Although I didn't get to work with him like my parents did. Um, Butch got me into the video end of broadcasting. When I was in college, um, part of my journalism degree was a lot of um, video editing and um, producing and stuff like that. And it was Butch that got me into doing the hype videos for the Battle of the Badges and Winterfest and all that stuff. And Butch, he would take me on ride-alongs and he would schedule me ride-alongs with TPD to do to film different things. And he would asked me to come to lunch with him so he, I, we could bounce off ideas on how we should frame this um, PR something or another for the fire department and if I could help him with a video. And he would, it got to the point where he started asking me for advice on video editing and it, we just started bouncing ideas off of each other with um, broadcasting and video editing. And um, he helped me do a lot of different things. I got to sing the national anthem at one of the Battle of the Badges games, and Butch was a big inaugural part in that. He took a lot of pictures of me and my of me and my dad at the Battle of the Badges too. And he's a great, wonderful person to have not as just a fireman and a member of the community, but just as a friend and a person as well. So I wasn't, I never worked with him, but he is a wonderful family friend and a wonderful. A wonderful person to have in your life. Joe, your turn. It's so hard to try to sum up a man like that. I mean, that 
Yeah, he was in the class just ahead of me, so he graduated six months ahead of me in the fire academy class, so we knew each other very well. He worked at 17s, I worked at 7 Station before he became the PIO officer. We worked very close with each other on the line. When he became the uh, PIO officer, Obviously, he knew how integral I was with the hockey team and pushing it. And then when we started, when he really was catching, oh, they're really, this is really a big charity thing. Him and I worked hand in hand on so many things, even things that didn't have to do with directly the Toledo Fire Department. When Toledo Fire Hockey was trying to help out the BG women's team, he jumped in on that and got us in with the press and everything else. He was one of those guys that no matter how busy he was and obviously you've seen interviews that he's been with his family on channel 13 and stuff like that that he was always busy but no matter how busy he was i don't care if the city was just collapsing all around him from a massive earthquake he would always had time to get with you and make things happen and help you out and guide you where you needed to be and even if it was just something that didn't have to do with any kind of a promotional event. We, we've had some individuals that have gone off sick on cancer and stuff like that. And he would always make it a point to get on the phone and just talk to them and say, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything you need? And he knew just who were to do. You can't put words to a man like that. And so, yeah, I mean, sorely missed doesn't even scrape the surface. Has that position been permanently filled? As of right now, it has okay. not been permanently. They have an interim uh, PIO officer, Jamar Winston, right now, who I'm uh, working with right now on some of the promotion stuff with this. Um, so he's in the interim position. I know there are still looking for people to bid that position and then it, there's obviously a process with any other kind of a staff position they'll look they'll take all the bids in and then they'll look at your qualifications and interview you and then decide the, who's going to finally fill that the massive shoes oh i mean yeah i mean so you know talking with jamar and jamar's a good friend of mine he worked with me he was one of the rookies on my wife's crew at threes when she was the lieutenant down there and just outstanding individual and you know, working with him on this project right now and him trying to just step in. It wasn't like when Butch took over from Matt Hertzfeld, he had Matt to kind of get him started, get him flowing. And then Butch went off and just did oh so many amazing things. You know, so abruptly and tragically, Butch was taken from us. So Jamar had to step into that. Those are huge shoes to try and fill and just step in and not have a chance to be mentored through like he did. But he, he really is doing a good job good. Uh, good. trying to trying to get acclimated to what's going on. What's right his name now. again? Jamar Winston. Tell him that I exist because I need to know a lot of that stuff as well. Sometimes I will do I so. I, I have uh, I just had the professional stuff with Butch, but I do have like one funny moment. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, and it's funny. It's coming up on, on the year of that. So uh, next weekend is, is Comic-Con at the Glass City Center. Last year, it was packed. And uh, me and my friends are walking around. And, and me and this guy walk into one another. And it was a, kind of a big fella. But you couldn't really go backwards anywhere. There was no, like, uh, being pushed back because there was just a sea of people. And we both look at each other. And it's Butch. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? Because I've never seen him off duty. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, I'm here with my sons. I come every year. I was like, you big nerd. He's like, you, he's like, you too. I'm like, have a blast. Yeah, right. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, the Linen Kugels, minus a couple of them. Joe, Kendall, good luck. Let's get the W ne- uh, this weekend, next weekend. Next weekend, yes. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. All right. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you.